Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to My Millennial Answers. Gemma wants to know, how do you manage... Oh yeah, hi. Who are you? I was at an event the other night, John, Mm. and this guy walked up to me. He's like, who are you? I'm like, that's such a dumb way to Did you greet say, someone. don't you know who I am? No, I'm like, I'm Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm a guy who... Yeah. Yeah, it's so weird. Mm. Um, I think he had about 50 beers. You would have given him donuts too. Mm. Gemma wants to know, how do you manage consistently changing income? Constantly. Constantly, is it? Well, <laughs> the only consistent is the constant changing income. Uh, working casually with no real consistency. Oh, so many. Oh. <laughs> We've getting bloody. Anyway, she's got a casual income. How do you do life? Well, yeah. what I there's a couple of ways. Um, on the online course I do, there's actually a module about part-time income and casual and inconsistent income. What you need to do, regardless of who you are, what you do, you need to have a separate blow account for your day-to-day living expenses, which is fuel, food, entertainment, going out, buying a coffee, right? So, if you can work out how much that is, and it might be $150 a week, mm. might be $80 a week, might be $100 a week, might be $400 a week, might be $500, might be $700, okay? And have a cash hub account that all your bills come out of and that your pay goes into. Mm. So, what I would probably say to Gemma is get that cash hub account built up as a bit of a float Mm. and set an automatic weekly transfer over to your blow account of $100 or whatever that weekly amount is. Because what that will do, it will smooth out the feeling of the inconsistency day to day. Yeah. Right? So, that's a way to do it. Now, we know some weeks you might be paid 500 you might be paid 350 in the next week, you might be paid 700 so yeah. it'll all come out in the wash. So, the spending plan that I do, I say, just make a guesstimate of, you know, based on last year's tax return or my average income, just put in as your income 40 grand or whatever, yeah. 25, whatever it is, and build this, um, this, the plan around that. Yeah. Another way you can do it is you can set up... Uh, a savings account, a cash hub account, and a blow account. I don't love this way, but it's a way. Work, build your budget, um, and we'd call this a bottom-up budget. So, it's when you do a bottom-up budget, you start with your expenses. So, you work out how much it costs to live. And if it costs you, I'll make a number up, 25 or 30 grand a year to live, right? And I'm using lower numbers because sometimes when people are working casually, they might be studying as well. So, we'll just assume that. So, Gemma might work out that it costs her 25 grand to live, Mm. to exist, okay? And she wants to save five grand for um, 
holiday each year or whatever, I'm making something up and then another amount. So work out then top a bottom up budget. We know that it costs her in total. She needs to generate 50 grand, which includes living expenses, holidays, gifts, clothes, Christmas. And then, okay, so this is how much it costs to live. So we need to earn this much. So if you don't at least earn that much, you've got a problem anyway. But then what you can do, you can work out based on percentages, how much the spending money percentage is, how much the bills percentage is, how much the savings percentage is. And every time you get paid, split that pay into that percent. Mm. A little bit more manual and clunky. That's why I don't like it. Mm. That's also an option. I guess all I'm saying is, John, whatever you do, you've got to have a system that works no matter of what the constantly changing income with no real consistency is. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if you need to add to that if you've got any hacks. Yeah. I would... um I would focus on what I control and what I can't control, right? Now, the, the casual income for me, it's not a risk, but it's it's a little bit out of our control. Like yeah, and that's why you can control a system that works with any income. Yeah, but let me finish. Sure. Um, so, can I change my income? Can I, can I get a more stable income that gives me a bit more certainty in my life if it's keeping me awake at night? Like, I work with a few athletes who have an ever-changing income similar to this where they don't know when they're going to be paid nor how much. So we're devising systems in place where they can actually go and side hustle or do some other things that can generate more income on top of what you've spoken about, and at, which is the cost to exist and, and having some fun and those sort of things. So I think getting on the front foot, if we're not comfortable with the ever-changing inconsistencies of your of your casual employment, we can... We can try and change that up. It's, it's in your control. You've chosen to take on that type of employment. Um, if it doesn't work for you, get on the front foot and try and change it. This is an interesting one. Ashley asks, is it silly to have zero interest in buying a house to live in or as an investment? As I'm not interested in getting mortgages, is it naive to think I can go my whole house without buying one? I don't, I mean, there's no rules in life. We need to establish that. But what I want you to have, Ashley, is a mindset of I've got to build wealth to look after future Ashley. Now, that could be investing in shares. It could be property, which you're not interested in. It could be capping out your superannuation. So it's the mindset of I've got to build wealth, okay? But the issue that we may have when we look at that, how do we look after Ashley long-term is this weird thing is we've got to live somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So in financial planning land, when someone retires, and I hate that word, so I'll use the word when someone stops producing an income. Transitions, yeah. Okay. And that could be age 80. It could be age 60, whatever the vibe is. When someone stops producing an income, they still need somewhere to live. So the goal was always to own a house outright. Is it? Well, I think it would be. Yep. So you don't have to rent because... Uh, yeah, are you looking for uh, reassurance well, or... Well, uh, I, I don't know what opinion. I'm looking for. I'm looking for meaning in this freaking life, John. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> yeah, so no, I, would, but, but, I would say to Ashley, that's fine. Where's your financial wealth coming from and where are your choices going to be coming from? 
Like, you're right, you need to live somewhere. So that's either buying our own home to live in or renting for the next 50 or 60 years. If we can create wealth outside of having to go and buy a residential property, then knock yourself out. There's no one-size-fits-all approach. Um, but the the interesting part there is she's not or he's not interested in getting a mortgage so have have we surrounded ourselves with people that don't do that or oh there what, could be a faith-based community who yeah, don't like usury or whatever correct yeah so what's the reason for not wanting a mortgage because there's good debt and there's bad debt in our lives and a mortgage for an investment property is actually good debt so if, if you can take on 400 grand worth of bad debt and in 30 years' time, that property's worth 1.2. Has that $800,000 uplift been uh, satisfying enough for you to have the 400k debt? I think it's understanding why we wouldn't want a mortgage. Yeah, and I think it just goes back to how are you looking after future Ashley? Correct. Because when you're of age that you're not producing an income, it could mean that you are more frail conceptually you and your partner if you are partnered and we just want certainty in our life yeah like if you own the home outright you're not getting rental increases so it's actually better i think to end your life owning a property with no mortgage because you're controlling your expenses Mm. you're not getting rental increases you're not getting interest rate increases or whatever yeah but i think it's that how are you building wealth to look after future Ashley. Yeah, and, and Ashley's got a really good conversation point here because a lot of Australians are actually choosing not to have the, the $800 million mortgage in Sydney or Melbourne and choosing to go regional with a lower mortgage or packing up and travelling around the country and, and living out of a caravan or whatever it may be. Like It's whatever you're actually going to enjoy most. Right. Yeah. Um, but what's your long-term plan? What's your game plan going to be? Um, and and not throw a head in the sand simply because of one thing we might have heard. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a great question. Mm. This one's for you, Jean. A. Jean. How would you say Jean in French? Jean. Jean. Jack. Actually. <laughs> anyway, this guy's name Jacques. is Jack. Jacques. Rent vesting versus living in for twelve months. First homeowner's grant, then renting versus live-in full-time. Also, after some general advice of how much income you need to satisfy banks' requirements for a 400K loan. Yeah, okay. So It's just some ballparks there, I guess, for Jack. There's a few ballparks. Jack, I love the idea of getting a first homeowner's grant, then renting it out after 12 months and satisfying the first homeowner's grant rules as long as... It's in an area that we want it to be in at the time of the, um, the property cycles or, or the market um, fluctuations. So just understanding that first and foremost, but I think it's a, it's a solid strategy that's working well for a lot of Australians at the minute. Um, I would prefer that over living in it and continuing to live in it for the, the next 5, 10, 15 years because we're building up We've got bad debt there versus good debt when you rent it out. Um, I'll explain that another day. Um, In terms of going in and buying a 400k home, how much income, he asks, will we need to satisfy the bank's requirements? Very wide and varied question. If we've got no debts 
um, and we've we're presuming presuming that we've got a 10 to 20 percent deposit for that 400k home we might only need 50 or 60k of full-time income there so it, it really depends on the industry you're in um, how many hours how many uh, how, how long you've been working in that industry or that role how risky do the banks see that role as or, or risky that industry is so there's a fair few variables around that but a mortgage broker can definitely um, shore that up for you and just uh, work or reverse engineer it and say look we need you to be on 60 grand a year and uh, once we've done that and you've got your 10 or 20 percent deposit you're on your way let's go and buy something hope that helps jack on you jack this is an interesting um question from sam can you read that out john says what are the best five stocks for the future to purchase as a young adult so i've listed five um and these are sam none (laughs) no glenn that's your answer well i don't know if you listen if you go back sam i'm gonna end it now (laughs) if you go back and listen to the mma before this about buying single stocks and i'll just make a note now and i'll put buying single stocks in the subject line i basically went on a rant that um it can be and it depends who you talk to i mean i don't think there's any evidence that being a single stock investor that you can outbeat the market i mean berkeley did a study on it uh trading is hazardous to your wealth they concluded that you can't beat the market. So, again, we just need to change our mindset. How do we have goals in our life, which is to live comfortably, you know, save for a house or whatever, and whatever's left over? Or, But the goal could be I want to invest two grand a month, and then mm. you just work backwards, and if it means you're eating uh, mac and cheese for dinner every night, yeah. knock yourself out, that's totally fine, right? Yeah. But just have goals in your life. What are the best stocks for the future to purchase as a young adult? We've just got to have the mindset that I'm focusing on building my career as a young adult without debt and I'm shoveling as much money into a portfolio as possible. Yeah. And I would say a good ETF, a good um, managed fund. If you go into the My Millennial uh, Money Facebook group, search... um, stocks or shares and there's a heap of discussions there and you could even ask the questions what are people investing in at the moment um etfs uh exchange traded funds because i just like i've got enough money to manage my own portfolio but i don't no because i'm not a professional and i want to focus on my career and it's not even a money thing i mean you could have four grand and mm. have four individual stocks you know what i mean but it might be if if he's after an adrenaline rush and and wants to go and ply his trade like a step up from playing monopoly at home would be okay go and get five hundred dollars go and choose five stocks put a hundred dollars in either of them uh, all of them and see where they are in 12 months yeah or it's like if sam has got 10 grand i'll just make up a number yeah do a core satellite approach. I'm going to put 80% of money into an ETF, which yeah. is spread over a number of different stocks. 
And then of that two grand or 20%, I'm going to research some stocks for fun that I want to invest in and yeah. study and learn and all that. Because there's no better feeling other than getting married that uh, Wouldn't you, know. <laughs> that, um, you have when you've, you've seen your investments increase over time without you really having to do anything. Is there any worse feeling than seeing the money fall through the floor? <laughs> well, and that's why I'm saying grab 500, which may mean very little to, to his overall or wealth. the ASX, they've got a share market game where you can go in, sign up to it, and you get fake money and you can place trades and oh, is that it's right? a game, yeah. 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 That'd that's, be cool. That's pretty cool. So, I know that hasn't really answered your questions because I don't know what the best five stocks for the future are. No, it's a hard one, isn't it? I mean, I think... Like, just generically speaking, though, like if we ha- looked at uh, industries... Well, okay. So, just before we press record, I showed John one of the portfolios that I've got money in mm. and it is an ETF that looks at the Robotics and Artificial Intelligence Index. Yes. Because everything, like I've got Google automation here at home, it's, it is the future. It's mm. automation, it's robotics, it's artificial intelligence. Yeah. So, I'm invested in that. Yeah, look, I've but got it's not a single friends stock. that are flying around in single stock marijuana shares because of the legalization and the medicinal benefits and those sort of things. Like, not for me, but yeah, they're yeah, doing it. Yeah, but you it. don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. No. That's the problem. No. And if you do have a, a cracking win, like if you purchased Afterpay two years ago and you you know made the 140% return or whatever ridiculous return it had, I don't think you can call yourself a sophisticated stock investor. It's like the people that we met who rode the Sydney property wave yes. out of Sydney and think they're sophisticated property investors, but yes. it was just right place, right time. Yeah, it's actually riskier to be in that position than it is to start investing by yourself with no knowledge in the first place isn't it totally because you've got this false economy in your mind that you're better than what you actually are yeah yeah i try to do that when i'm bike riding yeah (laughs) so yeah sam i would just have the conversation in the facebook group and yes thanks sam well that's all we've got time for this episode so thanks for listening we're having fun doing these mmas pretty cool short and sharp short sharp bam 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 hope it encourages you guys bye planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 